Hello, everybody. Welcome to a midweek, early week, I guess, podcast here on the Keyboard Kumara Substack page. I told you on Sunday that I would probably do some more pods because they are quicker and easier and more enjoyable than me hammering on the keys for hours on end and you guys being forced to read thousands of words for me. Plus, it allows me the opportunity to bring people that I adore onto the show to talk about things that they are wildly knowledgeable about. And with scoring and judging and all of that being in the news, no better person. And I don't say that just because he's a friend. I don't say that just to be nice. I say that literally there is no better person in this industry for me to bring on to talk about this than Sean T. Sheehan of Severe MMA. Shawnee boy, it's good to have you. Thank you, Spencer. I, I don't have a big enough of a head already. <laughs> you know, that, that, that intro is You very... may remember him from, from the Anakin Florian podcast very recently yeah, as well. Yeah, uh, sure. Look, uh, I, I, uh, everyone's bringing me on now. I'm like, well, do I really want this? Do I really want to be this voice? <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm struggling a little bit with it. But sure, look, I've made my own bed now. I'm gonna, you, I guess I'm going to yes, have to lie you've, it. You've, look at all these things that I have sown. I now have to reap. You've carved out a wonderful lane for yourself as the voice on judging. Um, As I said, I quite literally mean it. I know the work you have done in terms of learning and understanding and studying the criteria in terms of speaking with judges. I know you put out very recently on your Twitter feed, and I believe there's stuff pinned to your Twitter feed as well. Great video. Um, You put out the SoundCloud links with Ben Cartledge, a great judge from over there in the UK. Everybody should go and check that out. Don't follow him, though. He doesn't want any more follows, but it is at Sean Sheehan, yes. B-A. Um, I'm catching up on the at Severe MMA account, though, so I kind of do want followers. Now, okay, just, so just follow me until we, I we can Graham. change that. And yeah, it's I'm... usually the end of the preview. He says, don't follow me. <laughs> I want to be bigger than the game now. I just want to be Once, the biggest in Irish MMA by a mile, and then I'll you could stop following me then. That'd be okay. <laughs> so obviously the reason we're talking about this is Saturday we had some controversial and i'm doing air quotes nobody can see it um controversial decisions controversial scores i don't want to get into the individual fights themselves because i think they've already been litigated and relitigated on twitter too many times what i want to get into most with you is is talk about some of the misconceptions and the issues people have in trying to figure out um, how to score these fights and, and how to judge these fights from what the judges are actually looking at and, and basing their scores on versus what is often put out there for public consumption or, or the way that these things are talked about. And so to me, and, and we talked about this off air, one of, the, one of the biggest things, and I understand very much from a consumer perspective and a company perspective, why the UFC puts out as many stats as they do during the fights and says things like, here's the, here's the, t- you know, total strikes, all the different levels or, or the numbers that do come out throughout the fight, but they don't mean anything. Do they Sean? Very little. Like what is a significant strike? You know, <laughs> what is it As, uh, from my uh, understanding? And it, my understanding probably isn't correct, but, it's it's everything but a jab, kind of. You know, it's it's big ground strikes. It's right hand. Uh, it is strikes to the body, leg kicks, and everything like that. And now there there might maybe be some, uh, you know, uh, maybe something else to it. There's some very good people who, you know, those stats are important in in a certain realm. Like if you're a coach and you want to coach your fighter to sh- throw more shots or to let their hands go a little bit more or 
you know, to show how a fight is going in terms of who is doing more, you know, cardio-wise or whatever. Forget about the judging for a second. Those things can be important and can be, you know, good to know and good to show in certain places. Um, when we talk about judging, though, they make absolutely no difference because judging isn't based on numbers in, in any way, shape, or form. Judging is based on impact, and it says it right at the top of, you know, the, the judging criteria. It's based on uh, a three criterion in a row, effective striking and grappling being the first, um, effective aggression being the second, and an octagon control or cage control being the third. Uh, the last two are tiebreakers, so we never see them, you know, unless we get to the... And I, I make the example of the Premier League. Unless at the end of the season, after 38 games, or on the exact amount of points, we got a goal difference. Very rarely going to happen. If the goal difference is even, we got a goal scored. That would be, the goal difference would be the uh, effective aggressiveness. The goal scored would be the octagon control. Very rarely happens. Uh, never happens. And it says it in the criteria as well, that it, it should never happen. So, the that I, I suppose... That's probably one of the, the biggest misconceptions we, we see with judging and we see with how people maybe are not scoring the right way. We hear an awful lot, you know, score, he was more aggressive or the the aggressor or whatever it might be. But on your point about the stats, I, I'll give you a very quick example, right? Let's say someone like Michael Bisping versus Dan Henderson fought once. And... um. Uh, let's say the round went this way. Now, the, the round didn't necessarily go this way, right? But let's say the round goes four minutes and 30 seconds and Michael Bisping has outlanded Dan Henderson 100 to 50 and he's winning the round you know he's landing all the, the better shots Dan Henderson has landed some good shots but at the same level of Michael Bisping right and it's pitter patter both good nice pitter patter shots and then Dan H Henderson lands that shot he landed in their second fight over in Manchester and knocks him down and bloodies his face and puts him almost out and then ding 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 the round ends and the stats come up on screen, and it's Michael Bisping, 100 strikes, Dan Henderson, 51. Who wins that round? Dan Henderson wins that round, because he has landed the most immediately impactful shot of the round, and that's what it says in the criteria. Even though he's been outlanded by 49 punches, he wins the round because he has landed the greater impact. And that, in a nutshell, is how MMA has scored. First and foremost, the premiership breakdown is is perfect. Anybody on this side of the pond that doesn't get it, familiarize yourself with the Premier League and, and you how it breaks down. You, I understand it. Come on now. Come on now. The other thing is, I, I think, so for a number of years, the criteria was different and people, it was presented differently. And those things about octagon control and effective aggression were presented as equal measures. And a lot of people understand that and still cling to that. It is incorrect. It has changed. It has been clarified for the judges, as you said. The other thing to me with the volume over damage, and I don't even think we need the hypothetical of of Bisping Henderson, because we just saw it in the Rob Font Marlon Vera fight, right? 100%. Four times. Number wise, numbers wise, Rob Font outlands him by several strikes each round throughout the fight. But throughout the contest, Marlon Vera is landing the more damaging, more immediately damaging, impactful strikes and rightfully wins the decision. And to me, seeing it and seeing those numbers and seeing everybody posting the like, 
body pictures where they're worn and damaged and things like that was like, yes, we're, we're finally getting there. People are starting to understand it and we're, and we're seeing the application of things correctly. And then we add Saturday. And so it is a thing that people need to, to remember. And, and I want to touch on the volume versus damage thing, because I think that is also a piece of it, right? We hear this constant talk about, so taking the, the Holly Holm, Catlin Vieira fight, Holly Holm throws and lands far more strikes in that fight. But if Kellen Vieira lands the one telling blow of the round, that's what, that's what counts most. And I know that that is a difficult thing for people to wrap their head around. How can she get outstruck by 10 strikes, 20 strikes, but the one, the one blow that lands that is a, a true clean strike that has the most immediate impact wins but it's because the idea is to be working towards finishes and to be trying to and having the impact immediately on your opponent and, and towards potentially finishing the fight rather than it being a point fighting situation. I think people uh, they sometimes look at this very uh, uh, singularly. And we look at one round or one fight. But I think we need to look at it overall as a sport and how we think fights should be scored, right? And what we think should mean more. Which would you rather be? Lightly jabbed 20 times by Michael Bisping or one H-bomb from Dan Henderson? Which would you rather be? Which would you rather take? I'd rather take the 20 light jabs, you know, than one H-bomb that nearly knocks me out. (laughs) Which should score more? Which should mean more? Would you right. rather have a lad laying on top of you for four minutes in an MMA fight, or would you, or would you rather get punched by Dan Anderson in the fucking head and knocked out badly, hurt? That is, no one could disagree with that, right? No one right. could disagree with that. How MMA should be scored, and that's what we have in the rules. Like people have this whole thing: oh, we need to fix judging, we need to fix the rules, we need to fix the ten pipe must system and everything like that, but. And it's a boxing model. This, if anyone says it's a boxing model, right? They're fucking idiots. And just send them to me and I will tell them they're a fucking idiot, right? Because the 10 point must system has been molded to MMA. We have molded our system around it and you win rounds. If you forget about the 10 point must system for a second, right? And just say who wins the round, right? If you get a 10, you're a winner. If you get a 9, you're a loser, right? Okay, let's look at it that way for a second. If we look at it that way, and that's the thing we need to look at a little bit more, because there's an issue as well, and I do see the issue with, you know, a massive round is a 10-9, and then a bare round is a 10-9, right? Let's take an example of a basketball game, okay? Uh, the New York Knicks play the Miami Heat, and the score is 100-50, to 50, okay? The next game they play, and the score is 100-99. to 99. Who wins the game? The game is won by the person. They get... They get one win for the 50-point win. They get one win for the one-point win. You know? And that's that's and let's say if it's a game, you know, a seven-game series or whatever, you could win four games by one point, and the other team could win three games by 50 points and have a 146-point aggregate advantage <laughs> over you and right. still lose. Right? right? And I, I don't like making comparisons with other sports, but other people do it and sound like idiots, so let me join in the fucking idiocy for a second. <laughs> that can happen in sports. Why in MMA is it something that we we uh, you know we, we think is insane, that we'd never see this in any other sport? 
if we want to get away from rounds, let's do it. Let's get away and let's score the whole fight uh, as one. But you know how we're going to score it at the end of that? It's going to be 10-9 to one person, you know? And (laughs) who's going to win it? And and as you said, even if you you separate out the giving 10s and 9s or whatever the, the number score you give out and you just reflect on, okay, this person won that round, next person won that round and whatever. Lots of times at the end of a end of a fight, I'll tweet out that it's three two for somebody or it's two one for somebody because math isn't my strongest suit. Clearly, it's just one of those things that we all kind of in in most cases we all get it right, including the judges, and yet we seem to be having weekly, as you have correctly stated on your Twitter many times over these last seventy two hours. People just going apoplectic about changing everything. And I got into conversation on on Monday, Sunday or Monday about somebody saying, well, if all these people, if everybody else in the community is saying it shouldn't be this way and it shouldn't be that way, why are we holding to the rules? Learn the fucking rules, people. Learn how this happens. As Sean says regularly, as is pinned to his Twitter page, it's three and a half pages. It's actually not that difficult to read. When you like, if you take the time to sit down and understand it, you will be much better off the next time you sit and watch and try to score fights. It doesn't matter how you want it to be scored. It doesn't matter what you think is the better way to do it or the best way to do it or how you think these things need to be valued. It is laid out in black and white, single spaced, 12 point font for everyone to enjoy and understand. And it, it genuinely isn't that difficult to understand. Significant striking or grappling is primary. And most of the time, as Sean said, the only thing to be considered. In that, with striking, it is immediate damage and impact over cumulative damage and impact. In grappling, it is advancing positions, threatening submission attempts, and working towards a finish, not our favorite as of late, control time, which is a thing that, again, is one of those stats. We see it all the time. I know it It counts for something in fantasy MMA when with DraftKings and things like that. Control time is a big, big thing for that. It's a big thing for Dominic Cruz. And it means absolutely fucking zero in terms of figuring out a fight and figuring out how to score a fight. Now, Daniel Cormier in his video yesterday, I believe, said, if that's the case, then how did they score Usman Masvidal one for Kamaru Usman if they're not valuing control time? First and foremost, Kamaru Usman outstruck him in every round, save for the first round. So that's how they scored it for him. And in an instance where no strikes are being thrown and nobody's advancing positions or threatening submissions, then fine. The person on top and controlling Absolutely. In, a, in a grappling situation yeah. that initiated the takedown and completed the takedown and is keeping the other person pinned to the ground, fine. Then you look at it that way. But in most other cases, there are things to look at that rate, that count, that are better used, that are the correct criteria to use for scoring that round than person A was on top of person B for three minutes. I just need someone to give Daniel Carby my number. I would love to talk to him for two hours. I will, 
Oh, I'd love it. I, I, I think it'd be brilliant. I, and I, like, I like that Carmi is trying to learn. He's tried to learn before. And I know that for a fact, and it's not gone well. But I, I think I could help him. I, re- I really do. I think I could help him. But yeah, look, the control time thing. Uh, it was why I was so mad about the Logan Sorley MVP fight a couple of weeks right. ago. And you know me, I never call robbery. I think I said right. that the Rory McDonald T-Bow fight last year was a robbery and even that I can see a way you can give it to T-Bow I think it was a terrible decision but I can see it in the Storley MVP one I think they just got it wrong and it's the first one I've thought in a long time because there was so much top control but no strikes and MVP landed strikes and that's the start of round right that hasn't been scored that way over the last while and it was really a standout fight and bad judging in my opinion even though I have great respect for all three judges who were there I think they're some of the best judges in the world I just think they had they made a mistake in that fight they saw it the wrong way in my opinion but they they really don't normally do that um the uh Liz Caramouche versus uh Velasquez fight in Bellator a couple of weeks ago, the second round of that, uh, Liz Carmouche, I believe, had three minutes, 45 seconds of top control and lost the round. You know, it can happen. It, it does happen. It always happens. If you land a bigger shot, uh, I spoke to James Webb during the week. He fought Natias Frederick in, in Cage Warriors in a title fight there. Another fight where it happened. Top control, top control, top control, but for, lands very little and then takes one shot and loses. It is about the impact. Now, people people always say, oh, if John Fitch was fighting today, he'd never win a fight. But if John Fitch took you down in one second of round one and had you down until 5 of round one, then he would win the round because he probably wasn't taking that much damage. He was probably threatening with a couple of submissions and landing a few shots. You can still absolutely use wrestling. You can still win with wrestling if you're dominant and do it from the very start and don't take any damage. But why should you win if you're just like laying on someone and controlling a position? Like, why should you win on defeat? If you're just controlling the position, if you're pushing someone back, pushing someone back, look at Rose Namunas, Carla Esparza, you know, who you could say, all right, oh, who's controlling the fight? Well, it's on the feet, right. right? Rose wants it on the feet. So Rose is controlling the fight, but she doesn't land a punch. Why should she right. win that round if she doesn't right. land a punch? Why should you win the round if you're controlling the, the fight on the ground and you don't land a punch? You don't go for a submission. You don't pass. Passes are an interesting one because passes to me aren't massively effective uh, grappling it's what you do when you pass into a position that is correct because if you look at a position right the mount you would say is the most dominant position in mixed martial arts but should the mount by itself score i would argue no because you know what alexionic exists and if you mount alexionic it's not a very fucking dominant position then <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna ezekiel choke you exactly. if you climb into mount and, and, and lay down on him and also uh you know, it would say in jujitsu that you move from half guard to side control in its advancing position. What about if you're fighting Habib Nurmagomedov? That's not an advantage position for me. It's actually, I think it's a worse position. He's less control to land strikes, to, to posture up and land these big shots. If you're fighting Tito Ortiz and he moves some guard into uh, a side control, I think that's not advancing position because he's better in guard. He lands those big shots in guard. So there's always, it's, it's the result of the position rather than the position itself. And that's not me saying that. That is written in the criteria. So if you have five minutes to top control and you land 100 fucking strikes there, you're winning that round. You know what? It might be a 10-8. But if you land zero strikes and your opponent lands a couple of elbows from the bottom or has hit you once before you took him down, then he should rightfully win that round because you have done sweet fuck all. I think the part for me in watching the fights and, and for anybody that doesn't know, I have gone through john mccarthy's command program and and passed it i have 
not nearly as, as much as Sean in, in recent years, but stayed on top of this and spoken with judges and officials about scoring fights and, and still reach out to people regularly to get their thoughts, Sean being one of them, on how they scored rounds and things like that. I think one of the things that is missed is that nobody wants there to be nuance and subtleties and and sort of everybody wants everything to be crystal clear and easy to decipher. And the fact of the matter is, is that this is two human beings in there trying to impose their will on one another and close rounds and close fights happen. And as long as we accept that those two things are true and valid and welcomed, I think we'll be in a better position because not every split decision is scored the wrong way for somebody. Not every fight that, you know, the person you bet bet on or you root for loses is a robbery. And I think that's part of it as well. I think there's biases in terms of fighters we like and don't like, fighters we root for and don't root for. But as long as everybody understands that there are subtleties and nuances to this that people need to understand if they're going to wade into this space, then we can be in a better position going forward. You mentioned DC trying to educate himself. I give all the credit in the world to Michael Bisping over the last year for really working to try to educate himself and further his knowledge. I also give a lot of credit to people like Paul Felder, who quite often just lay out and do the like, look, man, I don't know. At least he says he doesn't know, right? It's better than pontificating that waxing philosophical that you have all the answers. Felder just does the right thing and saying like, look, this ain't my lane. Get me out of here. Which brings me to kind of the last thing on this, if, if we can touch on it. Daniel Cormier mentioned in that video that he posted talking about the Vieira fight and who gets it wrong and whatever and things like that, that their job as broadcasters, their job on, on comms is to tell you what's happening and to break down the action of the fight. And they've spent a lot of time speaking about scoring and judging lately. And would it make more sense to bring in someone to do that for them between rounds? In boxing, we see it with a lot of the big fights, right? Harold Letterman comes on and they throw Jim Lampley throws to him. Harold, what'd you score to that? And he jumps in and gives his break quick breakdown of why and the score and you get the running tally. Is that something the UFC and, and big promotion should consider doing? And would you like that job in Europe? As long as I can sit here in this uh, this chair every Saturday night and do it, like, absolutely. Give, pay me that money. I'll, I'll chill out for the UFC. No problem at all. Uh, yeah, I think that'd be absolutely fantastic. You need the right person, though. Like, you can't have Din Thomas doing that job because Din Thomas hasn't a clue what he's talking about when it comes to judging. That's a weird thing to say because... Uh, it was funny, I was talking to, to Laura Sanko about this yesterday on the phone for a while, and, she, you know, she was kind of saying to me, uh, you know, and, and I said as well, and lots of people said, it's weird for me or you or Laura, whoever it is, to say, well, Daniel Cormier is wrong on that, Paul Felder is wrong on that, Michael Bisping, this, these champions and top contenders are wrong on this. If Tom Brady says a, uh, a touchdown is worth 12 points, is he right? Is he right? He's not right. Just because he's the greatest of all time and he says something that's factually incorrect. It, uh, now, people from New England might say, you know, he is correct. <laughs> you know, and all of that. Or oh, maybe not now. Maybe the people in Tampa Bay might say that. I, I mean, but, in MMA, people would say, well, it should be. <laughs> well, it should be. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's the word. That, that is the thing. The most I was thinking as you were talking there about even Bisping a little bit. The, the worst for me is not the people who've never read the criteria or don't try to read it. The worst for me is the people who have read it 
ignore it and then try to make their up their own criteria. You can't do that. You you let's let's just not do that. We can talk about what changes we would like to make, right? Once every year when they go to the ABC, the changes can be made. Why talk about it every weekend? Like I don't I really don't understand why we need to talk about uh tearing up the rule book every weekend. And the thing is, right? The people talking about tearing up the rule book every weekend have never even read or understood what rules we have right now and the criteria we have right now. I have yet to meet someone who is unbelievably well versed in the criteria who gives me great arguments for why it should be torn up. There is no one out there. Everyone likes to say they are, but with any sort of questioning at all, they, they, it just falls down because the criteria is designed around how MMA should be scored on a wide sporting, uh, you know, uh, with the with the wide sport at the foremost of of you know goodness in it. I suppose myself and Harry have talked about it loads of times on on Speaker's Corner how the sport should be in years to come. What we need to implement now to make the sport as good and as exciting and and as long lasting as it should be. And I think the judging criteria we have right now, which looks for impact, which looks for effective striking and grappling, at its f- top criterion is the way MMA should be to safeguard the entertainment value and the goodness of MMA. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, as as sort of we're saying, right, we joke about if if somebody, if Tom Brady says it should be worth 12 points, shouldn't it be? Just because people are experienced in the sport doesn't mean they are necessarily the most knowledgeable. I've seen a lot of arguments over the past kind of few days, 72 hours of people saying, well, we need to get more, more former fighters in those chairs. Cause they know, listen, I can tell you guys, and, and there's going to be a lot of former fighters and current fighters that don't like to hear this, but a lot of those folks ain't read the rules. I mean, we've seen that. We've seen that very recently, right? Rose Namajunas comes out after the Carlos Barza fight and says, don't I get points for defense? No. You, you don't at all. Defense doesn't score you anything. Um, a lot of these John people... Jones talking about octagon control winning fights constantly. A lot of these people just don't understand. They haven't sat down. And listen, if you can get to the ABC conference, absolutely worth your time. If you can take one of these judging courses from anybody, I know Mark Goddard has them online. I know here in North America, John... John McCarthy does them. Uh, Robert Hines does them. There are some other folks that do them as well. I know Herb does one. Herb Dean does one as well. Take them. Get the experience. For the at, at the absolute, and I agree with you that the people that have never looked at it and still just believe what they believe. Dominic Cruz. It, it is different than Dominic Cruz. It is different than the people that have looked at it and ignore it. That is harder to take the people that ignore it. But I do think you're correct that we are in the correct position right now of, of where we're going towards damage and finishing fights. And those should be the prime criteria. And it's weird to me that people don't, that, that, that sentiment isn't agreed upon by everybody, I guess that that isn't the thing that, that more people just lean on and look to like, I, I agree very much with what DC was saying about the Holly Holm fight in that Ketlin Vieira doesn't want to be against the fence for those three minutes or four minutes. Absolutely not. And I think Andre Pedernaris's reaction in the corner speaks to that. 
But that doesn't necessarily mean that in those other moments or even in in those exchanges on the fence, she's not landing the better, more immediately impactful strikes. And that's the sole thing that matters. That's the sole thing that rates in that five minutes. That's the other part of this, people. Every round, not the fight as a whole, not oh overall, every round. Each round is a five-minute segment that you have to score. And the other thing for people at home, and I'm going to lay out a little bit and let you get into this. If you want to do this and you want to have an opinion, turn off the commentary, turn off your second screen, put it all away, and just sit and focus for those five minutes and then give me your score. But also understand that those three people sitting around the cage are looking through a goddamn fence with a bunch of obstructions. So there's going to be times where they don't see things properly, where they don't see those shots that land. It's not as simple as all you motherfuckers think it is. Trust me. I've been there. It's difficult. Very difficult. Uh, uh, You make some great points there. I I think one major point as well, as as you kind of alluded to, close fights are close fights. Close rounds are close rounds. And there's no system we can possibly have where close rounds won't be close rounds. And where close fights won't be close fights. You can, okay, let's do it. Let's get rid of the 10 by most system. Let's get rid of the criteria we have right now. Write me a criteria. Find me a system with that with rounds or, or with a, a judging decision at the end of it, which uh, stops us making close rounds and close fights, close rounds and close fights. You will not find one. Okay, look, we can fight to a finish every time and then problem solved. But that's that's not going to happen. I, you know what? I'd love to see that. I'd have no more judging to talk about, and it'd make my life really fucking happy because I'm sick of talking about it. Honestly, go back to the days of no time limits, and and we just go until somebody's you, done. You want a boring sport? <laughs> that's you. What you you, you want to complain about the amount of time UFC UFC uh, events take? Let's go to that. I'd be watching at like ten o'clock in the morning after starting at ten o'clock the, the night before. But yeah, I, look, I, I think it's one of those things. We we need a little bit more understanding. And and you know what? I can understand why people don't have understanding because they're thinking, well, Holly Holm only got half her pay packet because this judge scored it this way. No. Holly Holm got half her pay packet because the UFC have a pay structure that only pays people half their money if they don't win or lose. What if the decision had gone to Ketlin Vieira? People would have then been saying, Ketlin Vieira only got half our pay packet. The, the judge's decision don't, doesn't adjust that. The UFC right. adjusts that. Someone is getting fucking half their pay packet if the judge has scored 50-45 or 45-50. It makes no difference. Stop fucking complaining, uh, conflating those two things. Stop talking about open scoring, changing it, and all of this stuff. Uh, stop talking about uh, it, it will benefit the fighters in these certain ways. What, what's hurting the fighters is the fighters not coming together. So we lose a little bit earlier on in the podcast. It'll come out later off yeah, uh, on Sunday. Um, not collectively bargaining. Well, it's not It's not the judges. It's, it's, not, it's not the judges taking money out of their pocket. It's the UFC taking money out of their pocket or not giving them enough money. Stop fucking conf- conflating those two issues. We need to look at judging with like... And, and the sport, right? Sport in general, but MMA as well. When we're writing the rules, we can't write the rules based on fucking money. 
we can't write the rules right. based on on the, the the commercial side of it. We can no, we can write rules based on an overall view of where we think the sport should go, and we should write it that way, whether it's entertainment or whatever it might be, which is absolutely perfect. And I think that's the way it should be. That's the way it is. Is there improvements that could be made? I think a, a couple, not not anything major. Uh, but we have to realize that. We have to be calm about it. Look at the criteria. Watch fights through that. And before we shout robbery, can we think about this? If you're arguing with fucking Sean Sheehan, could you win an argument with me saying it's a robbery? If you can, have at it. If you can't, let's fucking go. Yeah, I think every time we get towards towards a close close score or situation where scores could be all over the place. I tend to send out my PSA of like, just a reminder, close fights happen. Nobody is getting robbed here. Robberies actually very rarely happen. And later in the week, I'll have Scott Fontana from the cage side judges on to talk about that because he, he and Dan do a great job in terms of tabulating judges, scorecards and, and information in that regard that I think is very useful. I wasn't going to touch on open scoring. I'm still not going to actually dive into it. The one thing I will say um, in that regard as sort of a counter to the people that say, well, then people would know if Holly Holm and Ketlin Vieira both in that fight after, let's say after the first two rounds, don't go back to their corner and think, fuck, this is a close fight. And after the third round, go back and go, still a close fucking fight. And after the fourth go, this could be two, two then I don't know what to tell you. Like, sure, giving the the actual here's where the judges have it clarifies some stuff, but there's su- it's just such a can of worms. It's, it's not the cure that people think it is. It opens up a whole lot of other avenues that we'd have to fix when the real solution to me and to you, I believe, is to understand the criteria. <laughs> understand the criteria and apply it correctly Seven judges. and have and have the right people talking about it. You said earlier that it's, you know, as per your conversation with Laura, who I think is tremendous in terms of her thirst for knowledge and understanding about this sport and her position and wanting to grow in her role. And she fucking should because she's terrific. It seems difficult for all of these people to sit there and want to say Daniel Cormier, two division world champion and, and Olympian is wrong. DC's wrong. Absolutely. Dominic Cruz is wrong a lot. Mm-hmm. Michael Bisping is wrong a lot. The voices that you should be paying attention to, and this, the only, I think I said it on yesterday, the only scores that matter are the three being turned in by the, by the officials at cage side. And what you should do if you really want to understand this stuff, take those scores and go back and watch the fights and figure out how they got there. See if you can get there. Because for the most part, there's, you know, if, we, if we've got 12 fights every card, there's probably 10 fights that pretty easy to understand how we got to those scores. And the majority of those rounds, the majority of those 30 rounds are probably going to be pretty easy to figure out how we get there. If you really give a shit about this stuff, the way that everybody on Twitter seems to give a shit about this stuff, put the time in to figure out how those judges got there, to learn how they got there by applying the criteria, by understanding the criteria, by yourself scrutinizing the criteria and those fights and your own opinions and biases and setting aside the stuff that you have wrong right now. Because I hate to tell a whole lot of people that are listening to this 
and a whole, whole lot of people on Twitter, but you've got it wrong. And it's not, I don't say it to blow myself up or Sean up or the few people that I know that have taken these courses and whose opinions and, and points of view on this stuff, I really respect. But there's a reason we're right. And it's because we've done the work. And so listen to the people that have done the work and go out and do the work yourself. And if not, it's okay to sit down and be quiet every once in a while. The facts speak for themselves. Let's be honest. And that's, look, it's the part I, I find very hard telling people they're wrong. Like no one likes to be told they're wrong. And you know, I, I don't want to do it anymore. Honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm really sick of doing it. I try to put out videos. I have another one coming next week explaining things. I love to do things li like this, get even more intricate into things so people can listen. Like the thing with, with John Anik and, and Kenny Florian has gone down very well. Lots of people listen to it. And I, I got probably 97% positive feedback from that, you know? I, I, I feel like that was a 10 out victory for me in, in that one but we need more of that you know I put out a tweet probably 18 we months do. ago saying I will come on any show I will do any right. podcast I will talk to any person there hasn't been one I have turned down you know there haven't been, I've done John Anik I've been on with you I, I've you know been on with Aaron Brandt said I talked to Laura Sanko the other day I talked to a few fighters I talked to Bisping briefly about it although I was interviewing him and I kind of hijacked my own interview just to talk about <laughs> judging and a few That's different okay. people as well but that's what we need to do. I, I don't want to give out anymore. I, I want to try to educate, but not. it's not me educating anyone. It's the written criteria and me just like putting right. it up, going, here, this is what we have. Look at that. Score fights via that. It is there, folks. We said it throughout this. It is there. It is on Sean's, Sean's Twitter feed, at Sean Sheehan, B-A. Do follow him. Do go and read the criteria. Do watch the video that he put out of himself going through the criteria. If you don't want to actually read, he will he will read it for you and explain it for you. 24 Listen minutes. To, it's only 24 <laughs> minutes. It's only 24 minutes. It is it is a sitcom on Netflix, people. Listen to the interviews he's done with Ben Cartledge. Follow him. Listen to what he does. I bring him on here, one, because he is a friend, but two, and, and primarily for this, because to me, he is the foremost voice in this sport on this subject. He knows his shit. If he says it's a certain way, you're you're likely to to believe that it is that way. He knows it more than Daniel Cormier knows it. He knows it more than many other people know it. We will get into open scoring at some point, you and I, on this platform. But it, it, it will be for another day. Plug the Patreon before I let you get out of here. Patreon.com forward slash Severe Man Podcast. It's only, it's only a five or a month. Go on, sign up. If you we talk about judging a lot, we talk about we do the podcast every Sunday. It's free. Listen to that first, the Severe May podcast. There's 364 episodes, I believe, of it out. Give a listen to a couple of them. If you like them, sign up on Patreon. Don't just listen to that. Sign up on Patreon. The stuff they do is phenomenal. I'm not saying it just because Sean's here and he brings me on his show every once in a while. His shows, plural, as he has many. He also does stuff on Sherdog. Go and follow it over there as well. Gives out betting advice. He, he's cashing tickets for you as well. Shawnee, thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Go have yourself a day. Anytime, Spencer. Thank you.